0: Welcome to the Black Doctor Collective Podcast. We as Black doctors are in a unique position. We can change our communities, healthcare, and the world. Of course, we start by changing the way we see and value ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Shanika Horn, pediatrician and physician coach, travel extraordinaire. I am so happy to have you here and listening. So let's get into it. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday. I am, of course, excited to be here. I am still in this hotel in Buffalo, y'all, and my neighbors across the hall are having a full fiesta, merengue. I can smell the cook food. They didn't even invite me. So anyway, if you hear the noise, sorry, because I'm recording today. (laughs) So, Okay. This week, I really want to talk about saying no. This came up a couple times, and I feel like this is such an important conversation to have. There is now this huge movement around saying no, turning down things that don't work for you, not over explaining your answer, because many times when you offer reasons, people take that as an invitation to change your mind. They want to like counter your reasons, convince you that your answer isn't a strong reason. I still don't understand why this happens, but it does. I know having conversations like this make me defensive and annoyed because I've literally given my answer and this person just chose not to accept it. So we have to start saying no as a complete sentence, of course, because we're just tired of the useless battles. Nothing motivates you like being fed up. And we're saying no, nope, nah, get somebody else to do it left and right because we're fed up. And sometimes it feels a little scary, but it's also really empowering. If you're having an in-person conversation where you have to say no, there's always that beat of silence. The other person is waiting for me to say a little more, but I don't plan to give more. And. We just awkwardly stare at each other. Or if it's on the phone, we're just going to be breathing into the handset, y'all. Because I know that as a human, it's our inclination to fill the silence. And it feels awkward. And we don't like the way awkward feels. And the key to saying no as a solo answer is being able to wait out the silence. But anyway, today is not actually about how to say no as a complete sentence. Actually, I want to talk about how to say no and. No, this isn't exactly what I want. No, I don't agree. And what I actually want is X. What I would agree to is Y. This is the next level of mastering the art of saying no, because no isn't always a complete sentence, nor should it be. I'm in a doctor Facebook group. Well, a bunch of doctor Facebook groups. And I recently read this post where a doctor was looking for feedback on how to handle a scenario. A job offer was made to him. However, the rate of pay was low. And perhaps there was some other criteria that wasn't met. Maybe the timing was wrong or whatever. The issue is the offer was made by former colleagues, people that he knew and didn't want to burn bridges with. And so this doctor was feeling bad about saying no. There were so many comments under this post saying, no is a complete sentence. People have been released from the shackles of obligatory engagements, y'all. They have become resentful from all the years of, of saying yes to things that they didn't really want to do. And so now they're almost offended by an invitation or some offer that they feel like violates a boundaries or is less than. I could feel the people bristling in the comments section. It was apparent that they were reliving their own traumas about being lowballed. Y'all, I say this every week. When you don't go to therapy, it shows up. We are all walking around with our unhealed wounds, barely covered by scabs. And every time someone shares something that's similar to something we went through, but didn't heal from, it's like that scab is just like pressed, like grinded on. We have these like PTSD reactions. I could tell from some of the responses that many people were tired of being offered less than they deserved. And I'm gonna get into why accepting less is problematic, especially in the long run. But first let me share how I responded in this group. I wrote a response to that physician saying, he or she could reply thanking them for thinking of him and for sending the offer. The key is to politely decline and state what you're currently seeking. Instead of no thanks and then worrying that they're offended or you're sitting there grumbling resentfully that they should have offered you more, they know better, we need to get into the habit of saying clearly what we would like. It would sound something more like this. Hey, friend, colleague, former boss, thanks for thinking of me. I so enjoyed working with you all in the past. At this time, I have to decline this opportunity. I'm currently seeking roles that allow for, and you insert what it is you're looking for, and that compensate at a rate X or higher. If the position changes or you come across a role that matches this description, please keep me in mind. Best of luck. I hope you find the right candidate for this position. It is kind, it is direct, And it is an effective way to say no and. This allows them to meet the request if they want to. Or they can just say like, okay, thanks, if they don't want to. There's no pressure. Bridges are not burned. And more importantly, they now know exactly what you're looking for. Your expectations are clear. No one had to read your mind or assess your value And that's what's rubbing many of these physicians in that group the wrong way. The concept that you are seen and assessed and someone still offers you something menial. I'm sure these people have been devalued in the past and who wouldn't be hurt by that? I just don't want you to be in your head wondering if that's all they think you're worth. It's more than that. And likely it's not even about you, like as a person, as a physician at all. So while the word no is a complete sentence, there are nuances. Sometimes the answer is no, but there is more information to be given. I wanna share a story about my fellowship application interview process. I applied for a global health fellowship right after residency or during my third year of residency um, and I flew to this interview, flew cross-country during my picky month when I was on Q4 24-hour shifts and had to take a red-eye back in order to make my 24-hour shift. So as you may have known, if you've heard parts of my story before, I didn't have a good plan laid out. I just knew I didn't want what I saw my attendings doing. So this fellowship was one of the few things i had applied to and the only one that had responded so far with an interview i hadn't applied to any full time general phd jobs at all so the stakes for me were high i went to the interview i was super excited about the program based on how they described it and for pediatrics the fellowship is offered basically to any specialty you don't have to be pediatrics it's any medical field, depending on the need of the place, they will say, this is the kind of doctor we need. So for pediatrics, the site they were offering was in India. Specifically, it was in a patriarchal community, meaning women did not go out alone. It was a a primarily vegetarian state. And I know, and you know, that colorism is a huge thing in India. So I had qualms about being a dark-skinned black girl in this community alone without a male partner, chaperone, whatever it is they called, that you need to go out. But in my head, I was like, look, I'm gonna make this work, okay? But then I spoke to the current fellow who was there, also female. And she was struggling. She was on call 24-7 because there wasn't another doctor. She would get called into emergencies overnight and still have to round and do clinic in the afternoon. Y'all, y'all know this is the very thing that burned me out. And so there was no way I was going to go across the world to this type of environment to suffer alone without my support system. There were other red flags that she talked about that made me understand that it was not just a stressful job in terms of timing, but also in terms of trauma and tragedy because of the lack of, it was a really low resource system that she was operating in. So clearly for me, the answer was going to be a no. But also during the interview process, I spoke to another fellow who was at a different site in Liberia. And I don't remember now if she was family med or med I just know that peds was not the, the type of doctor that they were looking for at this particular site. But the way she described the role, and you could just tell from how she talked about her experience there, that she truly enjoyed the work, She felt comfortable there. It was such a stark contrast to the way the other fellow I spoke to sounded that I was like, why couldn't they have offered me this particular site? And so although Liberia wasn't offered as a site that the pediatricians could apply to, when I declined the fellowship position, I calmly stated that if an opportunity like that, like Liberia were to arise, I would be open to it. Inside, I was anything but calm. I had that combo in my car with the fellowship director. And then I immediately headed off to brunch with some friends and I leaned into my old friend, Morning Margarita, to help me relax. I said no and in a major way no backup plan highly invested in the results, but knowing I couldn't have accepted that position as it was, I just had to release it. I decided I would keep searching. I had, I literally had no plan. Okay. So I don't know at this time, it's been a couple of years now, and I cannot remember if it was one month or three months later the fellowship director reached back out to me. We had had no contact in between. I had just released it from my mind. He reached back out to me and said that he spoke with the Liberian team and they agreed that they would be willing to take a pediatrician at their site. And so he was offering for me to still join the fellowship and get the site that I wanted. What? The feeling. It feels. So good knowing that I did not accept a position I didn't want out of desperation. So I'm telling y'all today, it is important to say no and letting people know the opportunity you're looking for is beneficial for you. It may not always work out in the way that it did for me, for example. You may say no and never hear from those people again. And while that might feel uncomfortable, you know it's the right thing to do. It's so important to trust your gut and not get swept up in the anticipation, the idealization and obligations you feel, or let the fear of missing out lead you astray. Now let's get into why You shouldn't accept less because you're too uncomfortable to ask for more. There are two discomforts that happen. The first is the moment you get an offer you don't love and you're disappointed and nervous or scared about countering the offer. This happens a lot when starting a job, but really can happen at any time someone asks you to do something expand a role, take on new responsibilities. Let's just use the example of applying for a new job because all of us have done it. There's usually some way the offer isn't quite right. Maybe you're telling yourself when you see the offer that asking for more is greedy and you wouldn't want to seem ungrateful. I mean, that seems like a grave sin. Really, the fear is rooted in this idea that they're going to rescind the offer, that they, they have other candidates waiting in the wings for this position. And if you counter, they'll tell you no and just offer it up to the next person. This is the root idea that most people fear when they think about countering or negotiating. You believe that asking for more makes things go away. The second discomfort is once you accept this terrible offer or this basically an offer that isn't a good fit, you have the pain of having betrayed yourself, of not standing up for yourself. Most people choose this option because it seems easier to subdue your own displeasure than it is facing someone else's. every time this job pisses you off in the future every time they add more to your plate or your autonomy decreases or your contract is edited to your detriment you will relive this pain it's usually voiced as ah oh, heck no they do not pay me enough for this bs So every time you get pissed off, you are living in the pain of self-betrayal. The fact that you did not advocate for yourself and ask for more. We usually choose to rush through the initial one and end up dealing with this latter pain for years to come. The reality of countering is that they will respond in one of three ways. They will say no to what you have proposed. They will give a counter offer or they will give you what you want and you still have the right and the time to decide to accept or deny. The other part of this process is that you assume that you're the only one invested. You've been looking for an opportunity just the way they've been looking for an ideal candidate, but somehow you feel desperate to make it work out. Maybe, like I did, you have limited options or a desperate need for money, or you know Sally Mae and her raggedy twin sister Navient are coming for you, but you ignore how much they too have invested in the process, screening through a bunch of candidates, going through a multi-step interview process. We both underestimate how long it takes them to find us and how valuable we are to them. We forget that they need us, our skills, that they cannot do what we do. We forget there's beneficial gains for both parties. We stop ourselves from asking for piss me off money. Piss me off money is the dollar amount it takes to say, thank God I'm at least getting handsomely compensated because these people are pissing me off. I also want to cement that I, go, I negotiate for everything now. This week, I negotiated for a retention bonus with my locum's job. But that doesn't mean that it's comfortable, right? This month is supposed to be my last month at this job. I do not like it. I do everything on a 30-day basis. So this is supposed to be my last 30 days. June 30th, I'm i I'm trying to be out, right? They, however, are desperately seeking another provider who probably won't be able to get credentialed until at least August. And so my recruiter reached out to me and asked if I would be willing to stay through July so that it gives them time to find someone to fill my role in August. I personally feel no sense of obligation to this place because like I've mentioned in previous episodes, they are poorly managed. Or if you've read some of my Instagram posts, they are just not managing this place well. And so their lack of planning does not constitute my emergency. That being said, I told my recruiter you know what my gut is to say no, but let me think about it because in my head, I wanted to come up with my no and Was there a scenario that I would like that would allow me to stay the extra month? I mean, everybody wants more money of course, but did I want them to increase my rate of pay? Was there some other benefit that I would feel really good about that would allow me to be comfortable staying and, and not make me feel like I'm betraying myself and staying at this place that I clearly know I don't want to be at. So I thought about it and she reached back out to me before I did and said, oh, they want to offer you a bonus. I'm like, okay, how much is this bonus? Y'all, the bonus was 500 bucks, $500 for the whole month. I was like, ma'am, flat? No. So I countered her and I asked for a certain amount of a weekly retention bonus. You're not going to pay me $500 for a whole month. Like what? No. I'm like, each week, I need X amount of money to be there beyond my base pay. So now they're paying me a couple thousand dollars extra to be there for the month of July. And I still told her, all right, well, thank you for this offer. Let me get back to you on it. And I'll decide if that is enough money for me. Is this piss me off money, right? Is this enough for me to feel okay in staying at this job that is draining the life out of everyone that, that works there? And it's not like, I learned negotiation skills and suddenly I became this confident negotiation negotiator that has no doubts and that I no longer feel anything bad, which is why I do it or which is why I'm good at it. No, I feel all of these emotions, these exact emotions, which is why I can describe it. I had a moment or two of hesitation before I countered the recruiter. I was uncomfortable when waiting for the response. I thought about it though, and I was like, well, even if they said no, I was planning to leave anyway. So I have neither gained nor lost anything. That I'm still on my plan. And if they say yes, I'm not obligated to stay, but at least I would know what it would be worth to stay, right? So it's a matter of really thinking through what is making me uncomfortable. I mean, I still get nervous when I counter. I still have doubts, but I do it anyway because I refuse to choose long-term pain over immediate relief. I kept in mind that this had to be beneficial for the both of us. We are two parties coming to the table to see if we can arrange something that works both ways. For this to happen, we need to recognize what's important to us. We need to understand ourselves. I needed to know what is a deal breaker, what's a must have. This requires you to remember your values, to know what will work, and then to articulate it. No. And I teach this in the Black Doctor Coaching Program. I show my clients the path of how to manage The internal dialogue, the telling yourself no before you ask, and how to still ask for what you know you want. I know y'all listening have something that you know you want. I make it easy for you to say no or to say no. And what I really desire is you will be a confident negotiator. You will ask for enough. You will get, if they piss me off, money. The kind of money that says they're pissing me off, but at least I get paid well. You will earn more. You will decline gracefully and not burn bridges. And because you communicate so well, you will receive better offers and maybe not even need to negotiate. Although I would counter that you should still negotiate the really good offer. I will lay that path for you. If you want to confidently negotiate for better offers, circumstances, benefits, send me a message right now. I want you to learn how to push past the immediate discomfort so that you're not suffering long term. I want you to earn if they piss me off money. Thanks as always for tuning in. These are the conversations we need to keep having. We need to talk about money. We need to talk about negotiation. We need to talk about communication. We need to understand that it's up to us to determine what our life looks like, what our jobs look like and how to get it. So until next week, be bold, reach out to me. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. And what I want you to do next is write a review. I'm going to make this so easy for you. Just go ahead and give me five stars, but also leave a comment that tells me how we can be off the charts. I want you to link us everywhere you can. Instagram at the Black Doctor, the Black Doctor website to join our newsletter. Just become part of our collective. I want you here. Thanks, until next time, bye.